Today's episode of the Ringer Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap with just two taps. You can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day, have your tickets delivered straight to your phone, and enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. And if you can't go to a game or a show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you will pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Before we go, I wanted to remind you about Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons. It premieres on Wednesday at 10 o'clock p.m. on HBO. This new show will feature intimate conversations with compelling guests from the worlds of pop culture, sports, entertainment, the arts, and technology. It'll also include field segments with Simmons' signature commentary on the current events. Make sure to watch Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons, premiering Wednesday, June 22nd at 10 p.m. on HBO. I got to see a test show. This show was really good. Uh, you guys are going to dig it. Welcome back to the still unnamed, still vacant title wrestling podcast. Uh, I said last week we we're gonna we we're gonna start the tournament to crown the name this week, and uh, and I think that we're actually gonna go through with it. So the name, the first name on the list is uh... all right. So uh, I guess we're not doing that this week. But welcome anyway to this podcast. I'm joined here by. Two very special people. One, you know him, you love him, Steve Kazee. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Two-time champ. Two-time <laughs> champ. And uh, and making her first appearance on the on the Ringer Wrestling Podcast is my dear friend, Angelina Burnett. Hello. TV writer of much acclaim. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'll take it. Some acclaim. <laughs> uh, and uh, relatively new hardcore wrestling fan yeah oh. it's been a little over a year okay so please welcome. put everything welcome. i say in that context welcome <laughs> you could just say you've been a lifelong wrestling fan or i could have said that and everybody would believe it i so. don't know man um so this is an enormous week i mean this is like this was the one of the first times definitely the first time since i started podcasting out here in la that uh that you know i probably should have had a rush podcast on sunday night i mean this was a really really big week um but let's just get right into Sunday night. I think the real question of the week, let's just get the pop culture parallels out of the way. LeBron James, Jon Snow, and or Dean Ambrose, who had the bigger night on Sunday? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Uh, I can't stand LeBron James. Oh, so oh I'm, shit. I'm going to go, <laughs> go Jon Snow. Oh, um, bigger than Dean Ambrose? Eh, I think so. All right. I think I, so. It's unquestionably LeBron James, oh, and I'm God. like horrified that that's your response. <laughs> now, look, he's a wonderful, wonderful basketball player. One of he's the, also one of the top players of all time. A wonderful man. Mm, that that win that win reverberates outside of. Sports, Are you from Cleveland? Right? No, I'm not. But I actually have a bunch of friends from Cleveland. <laughs> but that's a dude right? who, like, yeah, absolutely. That's a dude who, like. Makes impact in his community, right? Like Jon Snow and Dean Ambrose have well, no okay. impact outside Jon of the Snow made an amazing impact on yeah, his community. Yeah, if we're talking about a fictional character here, he did more for his community. Here's the thing. Oh, come on. Cleveland is still a shithole. <laughs> 
But Winterfell is on the rise. Well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Cleveland is indeed a shithole. Oh, man. I guess we just uh, we've lost all of our Cleveland listeners. <laughs> all, I love the, all, all 10 Cleveland residents of the internet are going to be really upset right now. The, uh, just kidding, Cleveland. We love you. And I know that you all have the internet. The, um, so, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, Sunday was a crazy, crazy day. I'm sure everybody watched it in their own specific ways. I was watching at my buddy Blake's house with uh, with the basketball game on the big screen and the WWE show on a laptop sitting next to the TV. I had the reverse. Oh, really? I had uh, WWE big screen laptop game. This is... Th- th- I probably would have done that if it had been my house, but, you know, I, right. I'm sort of limited. I have... I, I, don't ha- I don't even have cable at the place I'm staying right now, so, like, mm. I could do... I, I could I could pull off WWE, but that was it. And yeah. if I wanted to watch the game, I had to go elsewhere. And then we all just like watched Game of Thrones together afterwards. Stayed off Twitter, <laughs> stayed off the internet the whole time. Uh, one of my friends just texted me offhandedly, and I just saw the word "game" in it and just stopped looking, you know, because I was just like, I'm gonna get it spoiled. Uh, it was a hell of a night. But the biggest, I mean, honestly, I was so revved up at the end. Dean Ambrose might have been the biggest shock of the night, right? I mean, I, mean, we, I was pretty shocked. I sort of said earlier I thought he would cash in if he won. Yeah. But I thought it would be one of those things where they were just trying to get rid of the briefcase. He would lose, and then it would start like this, what's happening now, this sort right. of three-way thing between the, uh, Roman and, and Seth and he. There are so many giant surprises, and there's no reason to just like to dance around it. First of all, yeah, I mean, it was really weird that he that he. I mean, it was surprising that he cashed in, just in a very general sense. It's sort of like everyone that says they knew LeBron was going to win. Uh, I think maybe Mr. Snow's uh, victory was a little bit more of a foregone conclusion. <laughs> but the but I mean, it it seems so obvious in retrospect. Like Dean Ambrose said on Raw the week before. I mean, he was going. He said he was going to cash it in. He was going to win the match and cash it in. Um, but. I, I don't know. It just it just still came as such a surprise that he did, and then the way that he did it was it just seemed so projected. I mean, you know, the full ring entrance, and then the very the slow motion handing the handing the briefcase over to the referee, and then him taking the time to get them to ring the bell. I don't know why this it takes so much more trouble for them to make a make a money in the bank match start. You think they'd be prepared for that sort of eventuality, but it just happened so mechanically that you were just waiting for whatever the whatever the the, the screw up was going to be. You yeah. know, that was going to keep him from winning. Yeah, um, it, it was to me. I, I liked the idea when he was first coming down. I thought to myself, "Oh, okay, this is going to be a moment where he just kicks the shit out of Seth Rollins yeah. for a little bit, but doesn't cash in because now we're going to play like the mind game, Dean Ambrose." So when he goes over to make the decision to the ref, I actually was like, "Oh, is this maybe going to happen?" And then when he cashed in, I was like, "All in." So Angelina, you've you've probably not been a fan long enough to really know the glory of the Money in the Bank briefcase. <laughs> There have been a couple. I mean, last year was sort of a letdown. Seth Rollins obviously Seth Rollins had a was night. the best ever. Yeah, I feel like. but I th- but I feel like especially like we've been in the internet era for a long time, but we're at a new phase of sort of internet wrestling fandom where I feel like the past last year and even when Rollins was had, had the briefcase and maybe even the year before, it's just been like 
it's the the briefcase has not been a good a, a net positive for WWE because every shit pay per view along the way, everybody you're watching with is like, maybe he's gonna cash in right now. It's like it's the it's the glimmering hope of redemption that never comes to pass until it actually does. Do you do you get what I'm talking? About? I, I absolutely do, and I, this is where it's sort of like this is why I never could have gotten away with pretending to be a lifelong wrestling fan because I just <laughs> I don't have the history or context for any of the shit. Um, my first big WWE, in fact, actually my first. WWE event at all was I think WrestleMania 30 was that year before last yeah this was 32 so yeah, yeah. so the two moments I remember from that and, and the two moments that actually made me a wrestling fan were Dan O'Brien on top of that ladder which blew my mind oh, it was 31 oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. that one um, and then Rollins running in with his briefcase. And yeah. I, and again, I have no context. So I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? What is he carrying? What does any of this mean? Yeah. So as a storytelling device, I find it incredibly exciting. And I don't, I can't keep in my head all the many permutations. Like I haven't seen this enough to sort of guess what's coming. Yeah. So it's always surprising to me. Mm. Like Shane McMahon came out and I was like, who's this motherfucker? Why is everybody <laughs> freaking out? No, this is a really weird time to be a fan for the first time because so much of it is a callback, yeah. right? And, and, and even... Uh, I mean, Dean Ambrose, I think, has has a uh, you know a certain level of magic and of connection with the crowd that it, that you can't define. But a lot of what he does by choice is a callback to the Attitude Era, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he is very much like he's a product of that. He would fit seamlessly into that time. I mean, he, he yeah, is, he would be redundant, but he would fit seamlessly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but he's sort of like the love child of of Steve Austin and Brian Pillman or something like <laughs> That's he's a great call. Uh, but yeah, he, I mean, he's just not, yeah, I mean, but so, so it, it does, it is a weird time to become a fan, but I liked the, the way they did it. And I wrote about that some this week that, I mean, I feel like they solved a couple of really big problems with this one. I mean, it's, first of all, they get rid of this weird guy carrying on a briefcase. I mean, and I love on its own terms, the briefcase is a great gimmick and it's a great angle. And if, and if you had, and if they told a coherent story, from winning the briefcase to cashing it in, you know, little psychodrama every week with the guy saying, maybe tonight's the night, you know, and like really teasing it, maybe that would be more worthwhile. But like I said, it had this bad, it, it had this terrible byproduct of overshadowing the mediocre shows, you well, know, you and know that's what all was, you thought about. Rollins also, you know, he, he found a way to make that briefcase more like a belt. Yeah. It felt like a belt when he had it. Like he was like weirdly proud of that briefcase. It was almost like he didn't want to cash it in because it was his identity for so long. Yes. And then when he finally did, you were like, oh, this was your plan the whole time. Like yeah. you, You've just been playing this sort of mind game with everybody. I, I thought he was brilliant with it. It uh, takes a certain sort of wrestler to look normal carrying the briefcase right. around, and he managed to do it. So there well. were great those great internet photo. I mean, photos that were floating around Twitter of him carrying it in an airport. Oh, yeah. Because like, you actually have to carry it around. <laughs> it was all like banged up and beaten yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and he looked like the biggest nerd. I mean, in the, uh, the mo- I mean that with all the love in my heart. Like he had on like like glasses that were not like hipster glasses, like the like my contacts hurt today glasses. <laughs> right. And like his hair was pulled back, and he had a baseball cap on, and yeah, carrying the briefcase the to briefcase. the airport, <laughs> which is it just must suck because he's the one dude that could probably hide in plain sight, right? If yeah. you, you put on a baseball cap, you get your hair up or whatever, and like he's he's a nobody. Yeah. But he's carrying around a stupid money in the bank. <laughs> anyway, this is all beside the point. But they solved the problem of of the. Link Lingering money in the bank, you know, the overshadowing money in the bank cash in. They solved the problem of Roman Reigns, which mm-hmm. is, you know, there have been a lot of stories coming out. I think Dave Meltzer reported last week that 
that the house shows over the past month, the house show receipts have been like abysmal for it's like, there's the A show and the B show. Roman Reigns is headlining the A show and Ambrose has been headlining the B show and they're making the same amount of money, which, you know, Rome, the, the A show should almost be doubling the amount of money the B show makes. And that she's then Roman Reigns is just not bringing people out or at least the WWE title belt, which they thought could bring people out is not doing the job. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I love Roman Reigns. I, I, but, but I'm also on the like team. You know, uh, never reigns in the sense that like I agree that the, his whole the past two years have been an interminable slog getting him here. Yeah. So now we've solved that problem, I guess, in the sense that like the pressure's off. Well, I thought we saw th- last night. Uh, I felt like a little bit of heel coming. Oh yeah. Uh, when he told everybody to shut up and go back to drinking their beers, I was like, oh, there's the guy. Yeah. That's what we want from this guy. Yeah. Like I, we don't need a hero right now. Like we want that guy. It feels like they've been slowly ticking him in that direction for like a good three or four months. Though. Yeah, it's like a tease though. They kind of do, and then the next thing you know, he's like, you know, super nice guy in the ring, trying to be like, you know, the John Cena yeah. hero to everybody. I think it's they're in a tough spot. I think so much of wrestling is built like the backstage decision making is built on these old fashioned truisms you know where it's just like this is how you turn a guy face this is how you turn a guy heel whatever and John Cena sort of proved and I mean I guess CM Punk during his heel run I mean they the definitions of face and heel are like out the window now right and I've written about it a million people have said it that like John Cena as he is is the best heel in professional wrestling right Roman Reigns took that title from him Roman Reigns being booked as a big baby face became the biggest heel in wrestling yeah so there's this question of, like, how heelish can you actually make the guy? And I just don't think that they know the answer. I don't know that there's a definitive answer. Yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, so now, you know, he can be a heel. He's free to be who he wants to be with Dean Ambrose as sort of the, the focal point uh, of this storyline. And if there's one thing you say you can say about Dean Ambrose is that, I mean, at least for now, it hasn't been since Daniel Bryan that the crowd reacts in the quote-unquote right way to the main guy. Yeah. Right. There people there were people cheering Seth Rollins. Everybody's booing John Cena and Roman Reigns. Now we have a guy who's like actually in sync with this like or brings the crowd and the storytelling into sync, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting to me too because you know, I'm a huge Dean Ambrose guy and I don't even know why I am. I just like his personality in the ring. I don't think he's that good of a wrestler. Um, his moves are a little hokey jokey, yeah. like the through the ropes. Cartoony, come. Yeah. yeah, it's like when he runs over to the turnbuckle and jumps off. It just it doesn't do much for me. But his personality and the sort of things he puts his body through, I always find to be you know really compelling. But it, it was interesting to me last night the the chance of you know you deserve it and you can't wrestle to Roman Reigns. I'm like <laughs> they're sort of on the same level yeah. as far as like they do talents different and things. abilities. It's a weird it's a weird thing. I mean if I I, I uh, maybe maybe now the ringer needs to hire like the like the the statistician of of wrestling to break down tape and stuff but i would love to go back and look at their two careers sort of in parallel to see what decisions they've made to be who they are in the ring ambrose has always been a sort of mystery to me i remember like i watched a bunch of his indie stuff before right when he right around the time he got signed by wwe and 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 then he had a series of really great matches against Rollins in not NXT but FCW right uh, right before it became NXT and his match his good matches never like linger in my mind i don't think about him as a great technician but he actually has some had if you go back and watch those Rollins matches he's had some great great matches 
I think that something happened when he transitioned to the main roster that he just sort of made a very deliberate decision to be a certain kind of wrestler. Right. But I agree with you. It's gotten better. The past few months have been better, but the but the overall shtick is a little bit cartoon. I don't know. What do you think, Angelina? I, I mean... I- I'm I'm just not a fan. Really? <laughs> not yeah. an Ambrose girl. I'm not a fan Love of it. Ambrose. I'm not a fan of Reigns. Um I really dig Seth Rollins. I, yeah. I I I have emotional responses and I can't quite unpack why. Yeah. I just Roman Reigns bores the shit out of me. That's fair. Um and I think <laughs> to your point I, just movement quality. I don't enjoy the way Dean moves. No. And I, I studied ballet my whole life. I was like I bring totally, that up if you didn't. I totally come to this as a dancer. And I, I, it was funny on Twitter last week. I saw a whole bunch of people tweeting things like, "This ain't ballet." And it's like, well, actually, it kind of is. Yeah. It's ballet with Athletic bumps. Ballet, yeah. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um. So I come to it from a very sort of technical movement based place. And when somebody impresses me, they impress me. And neither of those dudes impress me. Like I would happily watch Seth Rollins all day. I fall asleep when I watch those other things. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the I don't want to get too deep in the weeds of this ballet conversation. I mean, <laughs> it came up this week, but I think that the right, the right, I mean, there's a certain type of wrestling, the sort of like the ricochet match that was making the rounds on oh, the internet a few so weeks amazing. ago. That's amazing, but that that is the, I mean, if you if you want to if you want to like pick nits, that's the that is the def, that is the ballet style of wrestling that probably is not ideal. Super it's choreographed. Not not, yeah. not the match itself. There was a lot of good stuff in that match, but the but the clip that was that was going around of just like the really organized. Oh, it was choreographed. Kind of, it was yeah. highly choreographed. Yeah. Right, but it, and so it needs an element. I mean, wrestling needs not just in the ring, but on the mic, the whole thing. It needs just enough of the unscripted rough you know quality that makes you that you you know it's fake but it but it tickles that part of your brain that makes you yeah. think maybe it's real yeah. and that's what i think dean ambrose has going for him uh, more than anything else is that when he's talking there's just that weird feeling that maybe he's off script or like maybe or when he, you know it's it's not the fact his ring Scott his ring style say what you will about it but at least it's like unique and it's different and it mm-hmm. does feel it does it sort of has that same irritant factor in a lot of ways that his character does yeah the most I enjoyed him honestly was on commentary on Raw this week yes. that's the most I've ever enjoyed Dean Ambrose he's really really good and this is this is the the kind of I think I've probably said it before but the thing that people a lot of people don't realize about Ambrose is that he is like the number one PR guy for the company. Mm. He's the most, I mean, he's one of the most trustworthy, like to show up on time to do an interview guys. He's goes out and does so much of the community service stuff that like never gets reported because it doesn't quite you know, hit fit with his character. Mm -hmm. He's not the top guy. I mean, obviously John Cena is that guy, but as far as what you would expect from the, from, from the various people on the roster, like he's, he is a, he is, he is a champ. In that department, and the WWE, you know, PR team loves him to death, which is funny because if you interview him, like he always seems like he doesn't want to be there, but that's the shtick, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like part of what he does. I mean, he's not a dick about it, but he's just he's in character. I think you yeah. know he's talked a little bit of, too on a personal level about being uh, not very trusting of people and and sort of not really accepting uh, people around him very much. So he's sort of a loner, and you, I've seen it in a couple of times backstage. You know, he's got a sort of insular group of people. And I think he just sort of plays into that. He lays into that a little bit uh, yeah. to for the character, which makes total sense. But I do think it's like true to who he is. You know, the sort of like lunatic, like lo- loner, the sort of lone wolf kind of guy. Well, all respect to Baron Corbin, but <laughs> I don't know how much respect we need to give to Baron no, Corbin. I really Zero. don't know either. Zilch. <laughs> Let's take that opportunity and uh, jump to uh, just r- run through the money in the bank results. If there's anything you want to say 
please jump in. We'll we'll circle back around to Mr. Ambrose because he's obviously the uh, the 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 most important thing that happened this week so far. Or well, um, we'll get into some more stuff. Okay, okay. I'm very interested to see. What we, let's just go. What's your what's your? No, other? I'm just so fucking excited. Sasha's back. Okay, oh, me too. That's good. Um, yeah, let let's run through Money in the Bank. Then we'll we'll segue right into Raw. I don't think. Just stop me. I'm just going to just say the results. And if you have something to say, jump in. Because <laughs> a lot of this doesn't require uh, much commentary on our part. Um, Gold Dust and R-Truth defeated Breezango. Yeah, I like that. I just wanted to pause for a little bit of silence there. Um, Lucha Dragons over the Dudley Boys, which I, I have not watched to this. I'm sorry. I've not watched to this point. I didn't watch point. any of the preacher stuff. Um, yeah, they, they, they structured the show. It seemed like they were structuring the show around the NBA game so that they, they just waited on the main event until the it game was, was all the way over. The last four minutes of the game, it was the Titus O'Neill-Rusev match. Yeah. I was like, well, let me just switch over the <laughs> last four minutes of the game. Um, it was because that was that was scheduled to be a pre-show match, yeah. and they they smartly it's uh, presumably they did this on purpose. Uh, they smartly kind of just threw that in as the filler. Although that match was pretty funny, at least the Rusev yelling at I mean so Titus's brutal kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> so brutal going over to his kids. Look at your father. Yeah, there's no amount of prep. I mean, one of one of his kids looked like he was old enough to figure out what was going on or yeah. whatever. But I feel like <laughs> at the end of the day, with all the times that we've had kids brought in, Rey Mysterio's kids were were it were involved in a storyline and. Uh, well, I think Ric Flair's. I think was, were Charlotte and Reed like re- when they were really young involved in something in WCW. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of kids over the years involved. I don't think there's any amount of prep and of like explaining like, listen, Daddy and his friend are doing this acting job. There's nothing that can prepare you for Rusev screaming at no. you about your dad being terrible. <laughs> you know, like there's just it, there's not if that was just like a straight up acting role, <laughs> that kid would cry. Yeah. And it, it's really tough. Um. But but I did enjoy that. Uh, New Day, uh, oh yeah, the New Day won the the four way fatal four way match for the tag team titles. I mean, I guess there was no other way to go. I mean, it's unlikely that you're going to crown an up and coming new champ like Enzo and Cass in like a fatal four way schmozzy situation. Yeah, yeah, I think they're definitely on that track. I mean, they were clearly on that track before before he got hurt and was out for a month. But uh, it, it, I mean, it seemed like the right finish to me. You, yeah, you know they need to keep the belts for a little while longer, but it's starting to feel like it's starting to feel like they need to maybe lose something. And well, we'll talk more about the well, Wyatt family stuff. Let coming me ask you this: so when when they the commentators come out and start talking about like they're they're closing in on a record, right? Like New Day's about to hold the belt for a record amount of time. Right? Is that always a setup for them winning it, or are they often setting them up for them losing it? Uh, it works both ways. You know, um, we were. Uh, I, wa- I watched the Shields debut, and we'll get back around to that last night. But the but they were that during that match in 2012, they were hyping Punk's you know record setting title reign. Right. Um, Most I think, recent was Nikki Bella, right? Yeah, yeah. Nikki yeah. Bella did the whole thing. The um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it go it can go both ways. I mean, I think that the, I think that with something, I mean, I, I think that they will they will hype it for its own for hype's sake, just right. because it's something important to talk about. It's, it feels like a real sports achievement, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, it just feels like far less of a moment if you lose it. Like, I don't know why you build to that. That, that That's not like a robust, exciting storytelling moment from my perspective. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that I think there's something to that. I mean, but at some point, you know, if you, you if you establish them as the greatest tag team champs of all time Fair or whatever, enough. then it means more when somebody else wins. But, um, you know, it's uh, 
it, it's it's not always a cut and dried thing, and especially with the you know, I mean, like the new the new day versus Enzo and Cass. If that's that's doesn't seem to be the direction they're going now after Raw, but mm. like if, if with those as your top two teams, it's a little bit a little bit unclear uh, where you go. Also, with the brand split, we have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If yeah. the tag team division is going to like go all over the place, or I mean, anything could happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, it's it's cool that we have four tag teams. Or I mean, I, the vaudeville the vaude villains have have become more established than I was than I expected they were going to get. Right? I mean, they they seem a little bit it's better. It's th- they're they're really good wrestlers, so you don't mind the gimmick. You yeah. know, the gimmick is so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. But it just it doesn't matter because they're really good in the ring. Yeah. I mean, I love I like the I like the gimmick. I and, and when they came up, I I I said at the time that like they just needed to tweak it like 10% so that they're not they're not like wrestlers that came out of a time machine. Well, even so though, they, but they tried that, right? They tried the sort of like we're just guys who appreciate an no, older, right? Which era. I, and that's what I said. I mean, I, but I think that you got to change the look a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, they got to be they they literally have to be wrestling hipsters. Like that I has totally to be agree. that has to be the gimmick, and then the, everything else can stay the same. Yeah, I think that. But but I think that the the good thing they've done is to keep them in a position of legitimacy without. Over without overexposing the problems with them, so yeah. that when they do decide to kind of take a turn, they'll be they're still available. They're not like you know working, they're not opening house shows like right. you know the Ascension are or whatever. Hey, yo. Wait, do you like do you like the Vaudevillains? I don't. They don't. They don't really float my boat. Uh, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really. I'm just really waiting I mean, for the surprise for like to be surprised I, by you loving somebody. That, I don't know if it'll happen. I feel like. I feel like the ones I love are pretty straightforward. Oh, really? Keep going. Okay. Uh, Baron Corbin defeated Dolph Ziggler. Ugh. That feud is apparently over. Oh, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> See, I'm just going to say that there. Are, I've said it. There are, there are worse things that you can do with two guys that you don't have anything else to do with than to have them keep fighting for six months. I mean, at least it's like, you know, there's there's some sort of like real rivalry built in. But yeah, yeah but I don't think that feud was uh, exciting anybody. No. Not at all. Do you think Baron Corbin has a future? I do because I listen. Based on, first of all, we need to shave his head. The first things first. Dear God, just shave your head. It's a disaster. Uh, second thing is he has such. <laughs> I've been saying that for. I can't even get to jump in. He's a giant, which yeah. always sort of works if you can at least work. He can work. Um, he's got a great finishing move. Like, one of the best. See, why do you... F- I'm so curious why you feel that way. It looks like nothing to me. It looks like, oh, he bumped his nose. Uh, I really... I find that move so really? convincing. Well, I will, yeah. I will say this much about Ziggler. He takes that they fall on his arm. so well. It's like, oh... Yeah. I like that I like arm. that move. I mean, it's better than... It's better... And there, there are definitely some moves that, you know... Fresh, original. I don't... I've never seen... I had never seen anything quite like that. It, move. Yeah, I, I'm I'm into it. I like it better than I mean there there are a lot of them a lot of the finishers that have come out of NXT in the past well three years. I mean since NXT started have been I mean they're they're a little bit hit and miss, right? Yeah. I mean there's like you can you can understand why like somebody thought that like Big E's finisher was a good idea at some point, but right. now it really just looks like like we are falling down together. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a like ring, the end of Ring Around the Rosie and the rest. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I asked about Baron Corbin not because I have a particular like you know hatred for the dude. It's just like I think we know what Dolph Ziggler is. Mm-hmm. I think that we can all we all probably could sit here and agree that like we hope the brand split is going to help specifically Dolph Ziggler to like get another opportunity. But but regardless, we know what Dolph Ziggler. I like Steve. Steve Are you is not a Dolph Steve fan? is like I, dozing I, no, off. No, I love Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I don't. 
if I were working for WWE, I feel their pain because I don't know how to fix that problem. Mm. Like he gets so close and then he gets forgotten about for a year. And we're in that point of him being forgotten about for a year. Yeah. And they try to change. You know, he went, he like darkened his hair a little bit, started wearing the like denim jacket. It just, but I don't know. You know, they did the the whole like Lana thing for a while. Uh, and then the, yeah. I just, I don't understand what they're doing. The guy's a great, great performer. He like works his ass off, but it's like, you it just, it's one of those guys that like just never can get out of that sort of mid card. You know, yeah, and it's tough. I mean, they're sort of past the point of doing a, you know, doing like making Bob Backlund his life coach. He's way he's too big of a deal to put in a lot of these sort of like rebuilding gimmicks. And yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like he's right there, and it would it would only take. It's not even about storylines. It's just about booking shows. Like if they just you know have a SmackDown tournament for the number one contendership or something, all it would take is like a few weeks of just putting him in the right matches and, and eking out wins. But I agree. I mean, I, you know, it's, I feel like, uh, he's in a similar position to Dean Ambrose, although Dean Ambrose is obviously in a better position, but it's, uh, they're both, they're both guys who were, or at least, you know, before Sunday, they're both guys who are available. I mean, and, and who could always be booked into a booked into the right role right. and booked into a championship role, but because they're so sort of consistent, they're never going to get that spot. Now, Ambrose got the shot, but like, you know, it's similar with Wade Barrett who just asked for his release from the company and yeah. and Cody Rhodes, there when when you're it's like if you're too much of a good hand sort of if you're too if you if you're too much of an obvious fallback plan, they never push the button on you to like push you all the way. Yeah, what's all I always say about being an understudy? Uh, <laughs> it's like, don't do it more than twice. Otherwise, you're going to always be the understudy because oh, you're, re- you're reliable. You come in. I did two understudies on Broadway, and I thought, well, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. Because yeah. when you're that good, like you feel you're you're utilized for that thing. It's like, oh, we need a mid card guy. Dolph Ziggler's your guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he always performs 150. percent Put him in there, you know. <laughs> and they're like, well, what about for Poor the uh, main event? Uh, let's just keep him in the mid card. Yeah, you know. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is this is the first Broadway, the legitimate Broadway Broadway <laughs> parallel. Ballet and Broadway diverse. in one pod. I know. We, this is like the most. This is the value added podcast today. <laughs> the uh, uh, okay. So Charlotte and Dana Brooke defeated Natalia and Becky Lynch. I guess it's the most important thing is that Natalia turned on Becky Lynch at mm. the end. Yeah. Um, any any specific reaction? I, to I that? wanted to love that match, and it was. It wasn't great. It wasn't a lot great. of missed spots. A lot not. of like the whole night had a. The, the, if you, if you were if you were gonna shit on this card because of missed spots, that the night gave you a lot of opportunity to yeah. do that. Yeah. It just that match seems so sloppy. Yeah. And I'm not a Dana Brooke fan at all. I don't understand yeah. why she got pushed so quick. I so love Dana fast. Brooke. Do you <laughs> yeah, really? I, do. I think. I mean, I've been watching her in NXT for a while, and I, it's been fun watching her actually get better in the ring. She's not a great wrestler. She's an incredible improver. That woman can act. My favorite thing last night was when Paige looked at her and said, what are you? (laughs) Because I think that every week. It is is a sort of like her standing next to Charlotte sort of begs that question, right? Because two people could not. I mean, you could ask the same thing of Charlotte. If Dana Brooke was the established wrestler, they look like different species. (laughs) So so you're just like, well, I don't understand what's happening right now. Um, But yeah, it's that was it. It wasn't it wasn't the best match. Um, 
and then, I mean, we can just go in and talk about, you know, the, the little reaction that we got or the fallout from, from month to, you know, Monday, I guess Natalia doubled down on the, on the beating. The one thing I would have really liked was for Becky Lynch. She almost got there, but when she was doing the, doing her interview to just say like, not, you know, she said it, you know, it happened with Paige, it happened with Charlotte. Now it's happened with Natalia. Like, I wish she would have just gone a little bit meta and said, like, you would really think there was something in the water in the women's division or something (laughs) like you would like because it is. I mean, it's almost it's like it's like, you know, back in the 90s when Sting would like get turned on by all of his partners. (laughs) WCW. It's like he is like, like, hey, I have a new new buddy, a new running buddy. And literally like every time four months later, that guy would hit him with a chair to set up the match at Starcade. Like it was Sting was roundly referred to as the stupidest wrestler ever because of this. And. I don't, you know, I don't think that Becky's in that point in that position yet. She's, it's not like she's, you know, like roommates with these people. She's not making big life decisions, but it's like her tag team partners seem to hate her after well, some period yeah. of time. I'm also looking forward it's... to a time when they can have women's storylines that don't revolve around being best friends and best friends betraying each other. Yes, like, that's a great point. I mean, enough already. Although, in fairness, it happens so much with the men. As yeah, well. that's sure, a, but you have all sorts of variety old, within the men. Like, yeah, it's, it's pretty old standard. What though. do we have any other storyline going right now in the women's division? That no, isn't I mean, revolving I, I think I think that betraying? yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that well, I think you're both kind of right. I think. That the, the this sounds like a really really small goal, but I think that the dream is that the women's title match and the former friends who hate each other match are separate storylines yes. that both have places on a paper. Exactly, absolutely. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm asking for. It's, I, it's simple. I think you're going to get more. You're going to get closer to that because that women's division is They're incredible. loaded They're right incredible. now, which is also why I don't quite understand Dana Brooke because she's not really. Uh, well, I mean, I think the, the specific level. answer to what Dana Brooke is doing is that she, I don't know this for sure, but what I heard was, I mean, she was called up um, with when Emma, I mean, to be Emma's tag yeah. team right. partner because that was, because they were doing pretty, I, I really enjoyed them in NXT. Yeah. Me too. And then my guess is that when Emma got hurt, that Dana, they were just like, well, Dana, you're here. Let's right. figure this out. Right. I just think she's really good at being a heel. Just I agree. Like all, she's very All her hateable. little ad-libs, that moment with the ref, like, I know the rules. I just, I, I find her really entertaining. Um, but she's not a great wrestler. I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you get somebody like Nia Jax up, oh, and you're going to have like a lot of good heels. And yeah. Oh, my know, gosh. I can't wait for her to fits Well, we don't, like, Bailey is just sort of like, a, like well, I don't even know what the plan is with Bailey right <sighs> I'm now. I'm scared I don't for know her. either. I can't lie. I don't really? know. How, I just don't know how that gimmick translates to no, the I main think, roster. I think that that's right. I mean, some like I, the, I should have, I wish I had cataloged over the past like 18 months all of the the fantasy booking suggestions that people have tweeted me about her. Remember somebody said that like they should just put her with Ziggler and have them just sort of be like <laughs> the children of the eighties. That's uh, kind of amazing. But the, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, I, th- I mean, I think that, that she is going to be a really interesting test whenever that happens yeah. because yeah. the, because there's no, like the level of the level of success that she reached in NXT was so great that, uh, Despite the fact that you're right, I don't know. I mean, translation is the is the most difficult thing. Uh, when it, when you call somebody up to the main roster, you got to tweak it. You got to you got to know. You got to have a plan. And like I keep saying, you got to have the fallback plan ready to go because it might be three months that you make that you make that turn. It might be three minutes when you make mm-hmm. that turn based on how the reaction goes. But the level of success that Bailey had, if it doesn't translate to the main roster. That's a failure on the part of WWE. For sure. It's not. It's not like yeah. oh well, you know. No, that's it's not, not a Bailey issue. Yeah. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's not right. a her. It's not a gimmick issue. That's not. Yeah. A, that's a WWE yeah, issue. For sure. 
Um, all right, let's keep going here. <laughs> Apollo Cruz defeated Sheamus. That was a sort of that to me like a like a weirdly compelling fun match and like good for Apollo Cruz, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sold on Apollo Crews yet. All right. Someone said that he was the next Kurt Angle, and I wanted to slap the shit out of them for saying that. The guy <laughs> can't talk. Weird... I mean, the guy can't talk at no. all. Like, at all. It's so... He can string sentences together, but he's not... I mean, he's not an unintelligent guy, but you're right. He's just... A, he's not a wrestling talker There's no yet. personality. Yeah. There's like, I don't know what your personality yeah. is other than you just are good at life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, look at me. I smile, and I got big muscles, and I can just do Those anything very big in the muscles. ring. Yeah. It was an interesting... It was an interesting partner for him. I mean, I think they found the right guy to make him make a compelling match with him. Yeah. But I just don't know where you go from here. Again, you know, you're you're exactly right. With this brand split coming up, it's going to be so crucial who lands where as to what these people's futures are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think with Apollo Crews, we'll jump in if you have an opinion. I have no opinion on this match. Uh, or if you have an opinion on the guy, the the Apollo Crews, you know, he got called up from NXT really quickly, although... I feel like he he I said at the time he makes more sense on Raw than he ever did on NXT. Like he just kind of looks right in that ring in that environment. But I agree he's not I, he he is going to suffer from the expectations of like is he going to be the next Black Champion? Is he going to be like because WWE loves him yeah. and with good reason. But he's but he's gonna but he's it's not a Roman Reigns situation where they've just decided to push him all the way to the top. At least not yet. But. You do feel a little bit like the cart's getting ahead of the horse, you know, that they're just sort of or that they run the risk of that happening. I mean, it's all prognosticating. But when you look down the road in the future, I see probably 10 guys on that roster who are going to be a champ before Apollo Cruz is going to be a champ. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got what well, you're talking five, six, seven years before. I mean, he might win the U.S. title. He might win the Intercontinental. Yeah. But, to get to that top level, I and just don't see it happening. To me, the la- the last thing I need in my life is like, in- unless it's part of a coherent long term storyline, the last thing I need is somebody like Apollo Cruz winning the U.S. title. Yeah. Like I would just find like the important thing. Like if you're the WWE booking committee, like your only goal should be I want like what is the WrestleMania match that Apollo Crews has that everybody like stops and watches. Right. Right. And let's build and to that. Everything. Yeah. Between yeah. now and then, that's all that matters. I like agree. we want, we want people to care about it and not just cause he can do cool moves because there is a, there is a, there is a world in which like Apollo Crews and Neville are our tag team champions at WrestleMania. And that's like not a terrible thing, but that's not really good for either of them. No. Right. No. Um, so anyway, uh, AJ Styles defeated John Cena with an assist from the club guys. God, oh, Angelina's breathing heavily. <laughs> there was another one I really wanted to like, and it was just like kind of sloppy and yeah, dr- kind of a drudge. I, w- I, went, I went back and watched it before I went to sleep that night and liked yeah. it better the second time. But I, I'm not. But like, I, I don't really know what had to, to put my finger on, except that I think that I almost I just feel like the pacing of the show was a little bit off at that point. Did that run during halftime? Somebody told yeah. me that, but yeah. my feed was way slow at that point. Yeah, it yeah, ran it sort of like halftime. during the I think the, towards the end of halftime into the third quarter. So I mean, it was just maybe that was part of it. Maybe they were just like we're waiting backstage, not knowing when to go out. But it did seem just a tiny bit off. I think it's also you know a, a classic case of like overhyping something mm-hmm. and the dream match, and we've all been waiting for this you know i know you have to do that to a certain extent but you also just have to see what happens in the ring because oftentimes the matches that are the best matches are not the matches that they tell you are going to be the best matches i thought the match was pretty good i thought the finish was a little cheap i mean you know i have a sort of inside 
mole there who I was Ooh, spill the tea. who I was uh, DMing with during the thing, and I said, you know, that finish. What do you think about that finish? Yeah. And the response was, you know, it's the right way to go. Like you protect Cena, mm-hmm. you set up AJ for like whatever's coming. But it just felt cheap to me. It felt like a, if, you, yeah. if if this is the dream match, then let's get a clean finish. Even if it's Cena winning, like yeah. the fact that like the ref gets not as soon as the ref got knocked down, yeah. I got up off the couch. I was like, <laughs> son of a bitch. The the WWE has been spending a lot of time over the past month or so talking, telling us that we're watching WrestleMania caliber matches and. And sure, like Cena versus Styles is is that, yeah. and and Reigns versus Rollins is that, um, but you know, uh, but more often than not, well, I mean, it, who, this isn't true. Uh, but like when we think of a WrestleMania caliber match, we think of a big clean finish, the end of a storyline. It doesn't usually happen that way. But if you're going to promise us a big match, prom- like give us the whole thing, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that John Cena has been like really entrenched um, for. And this is a positive as uh, the guy who makes the guys you care about matter, really. Yeah. And and AJ Styles has just basically shocked the world in his run in WWE so far. But putting them together and, and hyping it to such an extent does sort of a disservice to the feud. It's, it's almost a little bit meta for them to call this a WrestleMania caliber match based on not a whole lot, except for like the way that the three of us would talk about this match right. in a bar. Right. Um, I mean, we're definitely driving to SummerSlam on this one, though. It does seem that way. It's got to be. There's no way. They'll have, we'll have another thing at Battleground, and then it'll definitely be a SummerSlam match. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a safe bet. I don't know. I mean, I it's a I I, I like I said I enjoyed the match. Um, it was one of those times though where like the the fallout on Raw the the beatdown that came on Raw was so directly connected to the match that I'm not faulting WWE for this, but it but it was one of the times where it felt like. You heart you like. I'm glad I rewatched that match on Sunday night because I don't really need to re- rewatch it now because right. like th- what mattered was the raw segment, right? Yeah. And it, and the match was just sort of you know a road bump on the way to 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 that. But man, well we'll get to raw in a minute. I did but- think the sort of like pre finish to the match when they were like missing they you know each kept trying to like land a finisher yeah. and they were sort of missing and they were both just I mean they were both exhausted by the end oh, of it. Oh sure. I mean a lot of that was not even you know selling the match. It was they, they were just physically exhausted. Uh I thought that was actually thrilling and I thought oh that's the way to go with these guys. Like show them both as like the top of their games. Yeah. And and I give Cena credit too like in the lead up he's been like burning them pretty hard. Oh, like yeah. I I've never known Cena to be so sort of uh uh, insulting, uh, yeah. you know the whole like dig at indie guys, and I thought that was like kind of ballsy on his part. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know if if I'm probably one of the few people in the world who just watched Raw straight through to the Stone Cold podcast with AJ Styles after the show. Um, there's been a lot of wrestling, a lot of things to watch in general over the past 48 hours. But AJ talked about how he likes to lay in with his punches, and he and he, you know, if he thinks if he's he's working a program with a guy who's not prepared for it he'll make sure they know ahead of time like i'm gonna punch you really or i'm gonna forearm you really hard in the face he put over the miz like crazy because he like knocked the miz's teeth out you yeah. know oh, last shit. a couple months or two ago and uh, he was like no oh, no the miz is tough man the miz doesn't get enough credit but yeah the, uh, but i but i feel like like the the promos that, that both aj and cena have been cutting are sort of like the 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 rough like the like the real punching version of promos they're like yeah. it's still fake and we don't really hate each other, but like, let's just go for it. Let's yeah. just like try to like really rub well, it in. Look, as an actor, as a writer, I'm sure you would agree that 
honesty is always your best selling point, right? And there's no way that John Cena doesn't actually feel that way. That like all you indie guys who are over in Japan and like on the top of the world yeah. in TNA, you think you're a big fucking deal, right? Right. But do what I do 365 days a year. Carry this company on your back. Do yeah. all of these make-a-wish yeah. things. So there is so much truth in what yeah. he said to him. Yeah. But it's also, like you said, they're backstage, you know, and let's shake on this and like this is what I'm going to say. And like, oh, yeah, I'll come back with, you with this kind of thing. You know, so... It's brilliant when you dash in a little bit of truth to all of it. Yeah. It makes it interesting because we all go like, oh, shit, <laughs> like that's, a, no. that's yeah. a burn. Or I'm going to put you back on a bullet train to Japan. I mean, that <laughs> was smart on a lot of levels. A, yeah. he knows they're bullet trains. Was, He's been on the bullet trains. Good writing. It's, uh, you know, it's a little dig at the club, which yeah. is, I don't know if it's working. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm into it. I mean, it'll be... It'll, 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 this is one like you said. It's probably going to go through SummerSlam. It might even go beyond SummerSlam. So it's kind of hard to like criticize the feud uh, in a in a general sense without really knowing without Where it's without going. experiencing the next three months or yeah. two months or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, it was it, Sunday night. Sunday night was a little bit of a letdown. I think we can all agree on that. Um, uh, the eighth match, I guess, on here was Dean Ambrose winning the Money in the Bank match. Where I mean, that was a hell of a match. Great match. Um, it what they didn't go overboard with the like Lego ladders or anything. There wasn't just a whole bunch of contrivance, but um, there was plenty of it. I mean, there was uh, Kevin Owens and and Sami Zayn brought all of their uh, built-in knowledge on how to destroy each other with ladders into the match. <laughs> the last time, I mean, I saw Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen's last match at Ring of Honor. I think it was his last match, which is the his ladder war with Generico and. Uh, at, in at the Hammerstein Ballroom, and it, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, the way that they were just literally just like power bombing each other through ladder bridges and just things collapsing everywhere, and um, you know, that's not that's not my the be- that's not my cup of tea as far as like my favorite style of wrestling, where everything is just sort of a setup to the uh, the next giant ladder spot. But those two guys can tell a story the whole time. Yeah. I also saw those two guys fight on Saturday night at Staples Center in a house show. And they were that was the best match of the night because they know how to fight in a crowd without cameras. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they know how to get the crowd going without the aid of, you know, pyrotechnics and announcers and, right. you know, everything else. And uh, it was, I mean, they're, they're just really, really good at what they do. Yeah, Kevin Owens uh, is just something really, really special. Yeah. Like he just has it. Yeah. He's always had it and he's going to continue to have it. There's no doubt that guy wears a belt someday. Well, the that's, belt. that's to your point about honesty. I mean, when I first started watching this NXT, I loathed him. And I thought I actually loathed him. And it took me a good month to be like, oh, he's a heel. I'm supposed to hate him. Yeah. And therefore, I love him. Yeah. Um, he's just, I, I don't doubt for a second that he's a massive asshole. And I get the sense that maybe in real life, he's a good dad and a good husband. But every, like, his whole, his personality is so grounded and so organic and so real. I believe everything that comes out of that dude's mouth. He's one of the guys... One of the first guys, actually, which is crazy because we're, what, six years into Twitter now? 2009, 2010, yeah. something like that. He's one of the first guys who's figured out how to use that yes. to continue to be a heel. <laughs> like, most of them are themselves on there. Yeah. And he will oh, just, so like, funny. call people out, like, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah. uh, why don't you go back to your mom's baby? Like, it's just they always, like... They always say it's easier to work heel than work babyface. Cause you for can, sure. But, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like... 
I would have I would probably enjoy Twitter more if I just turned heel for a year. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, yeah. It it does open up the realm. You don't have to worry about what you're saying. Yeah. You're, no, you're not at all. Heel. It frees yeah. you up completely. You can say whatever. And he you know he talks from the time he comes out on that ramp until the time oh. he walks back up that ramp. Yeah. yeah. I mean you've seen him. Yeah. live if you don't pick it up on tv he's talking he's, the entire yeah. time there was a match that it must have been a raw because they went to commercial but i was watching it at barclays center i believe and it was a gigantic tag match it was just like it was just a raw and I, and it was he was on this all i remember is that it was like a, a it was like a four on four or three on three i think it was a four on four and he and big show were on the same team and he was run. he was doing this shtick where like uh I guess it was during a commercial break. They were just trying to kill time, and they kind of got into a like a standoff, both teams outside of the ring. And Kevin Owens was just standing behind Big Show, jumping up and down and talking shit to all the guys on the other team, knowing that Big Show was in front of him. And this was like not televised like nobody cared no one was gonna see this he was just like he was working in character the entire time just killing time but like every, he was killing time in the most productive possible way we had the same thing at staples he uh we were in a commercial break for one of the rolls and he came over to one of the kids that was sitting next to me and he goes is that your dad and he was like yeah and he goes your dad has a stupid haircut <laughs> just like walked off i was like this guy no he gets it I love him. he yeah, gets it he's he's really great it's funny too because i when i first started watching him or at least when he first got when he first started getting a lot of hype when he was in ring of honor and he was basically doing uh it was doing like very similar to like a cm punk or, or stone cold steve austin gimmick against then ring of honor uh nominal you know director jim Cornette. right and um and there was I was I was unsure at the time if he was sort of like the hero we needed or the hero we wanted sort of like if he if we were just into him because he was doing the CM Punk angle in a way that we wished it had gone over in WWE yeah or if he was actually that great now obviously he'd wrestled a lot of matches I mean a lot of great matches and had a lot of really cool feuds um, but in the we're gonna get back around to Dean Am- I mean to Dean Ambrose in a second but it's but like I guess the biggest question with Ambrose is. Do we love him because we love him, or do we love him because he is because he embodies all the things that we want wrestling to be? And and Owens for sure has proven that he's the former. That he is like he's not just what we want him to be. He is like just a top flight like performer, yeah. full, like full stop. Yeah. Um, Rusev defeated Titus O'Neil. Uh, did we talk? Did we talk about that to start the show, or was that off tape? We, we, we talked a little bit about him going over and uh, sort of yelling at the children. That's all that needs to be said, I think. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the the main event was uh, I thought really good for you know for those two guys. Again, there was a, like I think feel like this, the the time it went on made it made everything feel a little bit off. Yeah, I agree. Let me go back one second though, because I, I want to ask your opinion on this. How do you suspend a guy for ninety days and then? immediately like throw him into a championship match like regardless of what the title is like why that guy is that a, is that I think a, that it's it, a direct reaction from one to the other I mean I, I think it that seems that way right it's it like hey sorry about that like let's see if we can't work you up the ranks a little bit yeah I mean I think that there that uh, I yeah I mean there were a lot of stories floating around at the time about how that suspension went down and, and, and what the you know what the reasoning for it was but the but I think that my guess is that at the end of the day, the length of the suspension was sort of mandated by some existing, you know, like, like, well, we, if we see, you know, we suspended so-and-so for 60 days for this or 30 days for this. And so it just, I feel like the number was, was maybe not entirely arbitrary, but it, but it was clearly excessive to everybody involved. And by the time he came back, um, 
you know, I think if it was a real workplace or something, they might have just like brought him back <laughs> after 30 days. Right. But at some point it became like the angle of him being suspended was better part than him story. better than him working. I actually wanted it to be part of the story when he came back. Like that's the smart choice, right? You right. sort of like you sort of blend the two worlds, reality and uh, and well, kayfabe for that'd be great yeah if, he, if his new gimmick was every time Vince McMahon came out to make an announcement he just came out of the back and grabbed Vince by the arm yeah, yeah. and that was it yeah totally um, alright is there anything in the main event that there that I mean that you specifically want to touch on or you want to segue I think we should just probably segue right into the discussion of Raw I mean it was a crazy crazy match um, on its own terms it was I think the, I mean I might have been as surprised as I've been all year that Seth Rollins just straight up won that match. Like it was all before Dean came down, it was already pretty much like a shock. I mean, one of the most shocking moments I've had in a while. Yeah. I mean, the only thing was, is I thought that, you know, whenever a guy doesn't lose a belt, whenever a guy gets hurt, I always sort of feel like the right thing to do is give that guy the belt back. I mean, I've always felt that way. Um, because, you know, you didn't do anything. It's not your fault. It's like, you know, you blew your knee out. Right. And, I mean, he, again, talk about a little bit of truth. He blew his knee out carrying that company. Like, he's wrestling in a freaking house show, you know, like main eventing a house show and blows his knee out. Trying to, yeah, like powerbombing Kane of (laughs) all things. (laughs) What are we doing? Uh, So, when when he won... I don't know, like, you've been around a lot of these wrestlers. Yeah. Like, Kane is... I mean, any of the guys who were very, who were like kind of the old school muscly and also of a certain age, um, are just the are made out of stone and not in like the chiseled out of stone rip sort of way. But no one that you know could make Kane move six inches. No, it's an immovable object. <laughs> and the fact that like, I mean, I like there. You know, I think we're all as wrestling fans. We can imagine like we could imagine being wrestlers, right? You could yeah. imagine like I physically maybe I couldn't get there, but like. It would be, you know, there's a dream state in which I can imagine flipping around the ring and stuff like that. I literally cannot imagine having to lift Kane for work. No. That would be the one. I, that would just be impossible. If you don't think that every time I'm backstage in an event that I'm not sizing up every wrestler and wondering if I could, like, compete in a program with them or not. Yeah. And there's a few that I'm like, okay, I could do I could this. Take you. I could do this for at least five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but he's not one of them. It's I mean, he's a massive human being. And like you said, it's not like a, it's not like a chiseled statue. He's like a boulder and it's just his body weighs you can see it like his arms just weigh different even though if they're 50 pounds a guy who's other 50 pounds it's just not the same like yeah. those kind of bodies the old guys uh yeah paul or big show is uh is another one i mean just like yeah. you can't believe how big that human being is yeah and when people like um cena i think has put him up in an aa before like massive that's crazy yeah. I mean Cena we didn't mention the Cena AJ thing that both of those guys are 38 despite this being like a, I mean that in that sense it is a Wrestlemania caliber match because it's like let's just get two guys <laughs> let's put the two old guys in this headlining feud um, but yeah when you get a certain age your muscles start sort of like calcifying and you're yeah. just like you're automatically it's like old man strength I guess like writ large <laughs> but the um, but yeah what was your take on the main event Angelina um I- it was one of those moments. Oh, I wasn't at all surprised that that Seth got over. First of all, that I was with you. I assumed he lost the belt for no good reason. They'll put it back on him. The Ambrose thing was delightful. It was exactly like it's what I love about storytelling. When a moment happens and it is inevitable and totally shocking all at the same time. Yeah. Like that's I can't tell you the number of times I've been in a writer's room and I'd be like, we have to wire up this moment so that the second it happens, you realize that everything game before was leading up to it and you should have seen it coming. Like that to me is the most satisfying moment. Is that that's the trick? And that's how I felt about that moment. Were you were you watching when uh, back when Rollins turned on the Shield? Have you been? No, I that WrestleMania 31 was the first. Oh, okay. My literally my the first WWE thing I've ever seen. It's 
it's interesting to me that you know two years later it still feels so good that those guys are going to be now yeah. so, i mean so, at least to me <clears throat> yeah so talking about giving away uh wrestlemania caliber matches early i mean the 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 most important thing that happened to raw and there's a lot of cool stuff was them announcing that the the shield three-way match is going to happen not at SummerSlam, at but at Battleground, Battleground, which is just, it's bonkers. Like, <laughs> this is, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. The Shield three-way match was one of the most revered things that the WWE booking committee had in their back pocket, right? And yeah. this has come straight from Vince McMahon. I mean, there is, like, the dream matches on, in, like, in, in Vince McMahon's, like, you know, like, uh, on his little notepad are the, the, the Rock versus Brock Lesnar and the Shield three-way. Like, that is it. Yeah. And... I mean, it has been said, told to me with great certainty that this is a WrestleMania-only match, and they're just waiting on the exact right year to pull. Like, not, WrestleMania, like, this match is a match that could only exist on a stage like WrestleMania. Do you think it would have been this year? Uh, Had it, he not it, blown his knee up? Yes. I think so, too. I think that, that I think that's so, I think, and, and it, it makes sense for WrestleMania in, the, in that, it like, well, they don't necessarily need the title in one of those, but but to have a Shield three-way this in this year, in 2016, the Shield three-way for the title, kind of, like, like, you know, it 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 kind of holds the title match down, yeah. And then it, but then you can still have your Undertaker match, your Triple H match, and have those be like major matches um, on their own terms. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I, you know, to say that that's what they had planned, it's always up in the air until right. until I mean, really until a month before or, or until the last minute. But the fact that it's not even SummerSlam, and maybe we're gonna find a way to push pause on this, and and the three will finally happen at SummerSlam. There's anything could happen at this point, but wow, like that is the biggest match that WWE has on their roster, and and right, as of right now, it's happening at Battleground, which is not a major show. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it stays that way, even if they have a match. I'm sort of in the SummerSlam camp. I don't know yeah. how you don't have those three guys do something at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, it's the new WrestleMania. Angelina? No, I mean, I, I, again, have no context for this. So I'm like, well, yeah, of course, that's the next thing that happens. It's a three-way match. It Why is. wouldn't you it do makes it, a, it makes It actually, <laughs> storytelling-wise, it makes perfect sense. And I guess the question over the next few weeks is going to be, well, one, do we just, does it actually happen? Or two, how do we sort of weasel our way out of it? Or, or you we, do, do it we, twice. I mean, if, what you're, right. if it really is as powerful as you're saying, which I trust you that it is, uh, you get two matches out of that. The first one is a schmaz at the end, and then you have to do it again. I yeah. mean, well, so do, from, we, do we get a Roman Reigns heel turn at Battleground? Like that could be. I mean, that could be it. It could be a screw over Dean Ambrose, yeah. and then that sets up, uh, you know, our SummerSlam. Um, I yeah. I mean, listen, I've said this for a long time. Back when or Charlotte and Ric Flair were, were a good example of this, where when when Rick when Rick became Charlotte's manager, there were a lot of people saying like. Oh, this is just too soon. Like, let Charlotte have her baby face run for a, another six months, and then make Rick come out and and you know, with like at WrestleMania, make it a bigger moment when he teams up with her, make it her heel. T- I don't know. And I was just like, no, like this is the way you should be writing these shows, Angelina. Please let me know if you're going to say exactly what I think. Is, so go ahead. You do the most do incredible the thing, thing you yeah. can do, and then try to top it next that's week. Right. Like that's the only way you can do it. And again. You know, the wrestling, it's like you're, you're, you're at least building per, for pay-per-views, so maybe not on a week-in, week-out basis, but, like, you never know if these guys are going to get hurt. Yep. You never know if, you never know what you're going to come up with if you put yourself in the corner of trying to top the Shield three-way. Like, that could be the mo- that could be the best idea that you have, and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of valid criticism that WWE over the past two years, five years, whatever, has been playing it safe more than they should. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would give, I would happily have, 
three or four pay-per-views a year just be totally bereft of ideas and just to be total shit shows if the like the other i mean if the other six or eight or whatever were just interesting in a way that they're not normally interesting now yeah um so yeah so we got i mean so that was the the big ending from raw was the announcement of that match um was it, what else on Raw do we what do we need to touch on? Oh, there was Sasha, the, uh, Sasha Come Banks. Come Two big sure. returns. Was <laughs> Sasha, Finally. Yeah. Um, I've given up just trying to figure out if the if the, my various the various divas that I love are like out with concussions or just like mysteriously absent because those two things there, there's not a lot of information and it's I don't know it's just it, you never really know yeah, she them. was gone for a while right yeah. yeah it just sort of felt like maybe an injury shoulder or something I know she's had shoulder issues in the past yeah so she's back. Um, she was back. There was a there was a battleground commercial that I'm sure everybody listening to this probably saw, but it had like all these wrestlers like waving flags, and then there in the last scene had them all jumping at each other in this sort of like comic book movie sort of style, and uh, and they, they it was sort of like the heels were on one side and the baby faces were on the other jumping at each other, and I spent way too long long trying to <laughs> parse out who's on one side, <laughs> and then and then finally and then finally I realized that Rollins and Reigns were jumping at each other, and I was just like, oh wait, there's not. Like Dean Ambrose wasn't even in the commercial, and right. I was just like, "No, this is just people jumping at each other." Like, yeah, there's nothing. Totally. Um, but yeah, there there was Becky was in it, but I don't think Sasha was. Maybe Sasha. I don't. I don't even remember at this point. Shot no Sasha was in it. But anyway, I was really happy to see her back, and it's and you like you don't realize it's easy to forget how important she is to that division until she comes back in it. Just well, she feels actually. So I mean, different. let's be honest. She hasn't really had a chance to really be around. No. It's like, I think we are so familiar with her from NXT mm-hmm. yeah. that it feels like she's been like kicking ass for a while, but it just has, she hasn't really had that moment yet of like being able, I don't know if it's staying healthy or just the storyline or whatever. So I'm hoping that this time she's back for a well, while. It, I think a lot of her absence has to do, I mean, I'm speculating who the hell knows, but they clearly only have room for one woman's storyline at a time. And Sasha's going to suck up all, if you, if you're keeping the women's division that narrow, Sasha's going to suck up all the oxygen. I don't know. She there was just a while is. that it was like we were getting two matches at the pay-per-views yeah. and stuff. So I, I, yeah, I, but the first one was like, you know, three minutes long and didn't tell yeah. a story. Yeah, and it wasn't a storyline. It was like an excuse to have some women on TV so they could throw the Divas Revolution uh, well, hashtag up on Twitter. I mean, hope, yeah. this, is a, this is one of, those, one of the, the many things that we can just cross our fingers and hope the brand, expand, the brand extension oh, will, yes. will help fix the situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, there certainly is some of that. When Sasha first came to the main roster, uh, well, she was with Team Bad, but then there was that period where Team Bad sort of disappeared. And I know at that point, it, there did seem to be a vibe where they didn't want to waste her, right? Yeah. They were just sort of like not letting, they weren't giving her anything to do because they knew what they had with her and that they weren't just going to let it be some piddly throw in. Yeah. yeah, they were moving a lot feud. of people out at the time. I mean, yeah. the Bellas were on their way out. So yeah, and how do you pass up? I mean, Charlotte and Ric Flair is a genius way to sort so of good. reinvent the women's division. Sure. I, I absolutely support that decision, but I don't. The way they're booking, it doesn't make room for another big star. It just doesn't. So I actually sort of like that they held her out rather than let her do yeah. piddly half-ass three-minute matches. That said, I miss her desperately, and I'm so glad she's on my TV again. Yeah, yeah, that's totally I true. I mean, I think that in general they should be WWE should be holding people out more than instead of mm. just putting them in in worthless positions, but. Uh, you know, with the divas, it, does, it you know when you when you balance that against just like it seems like the the limited time they have for the divas, that's you, you kind of 
both both sides are sort of problematic. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they're like they're you know you you do wish that we saw that we had Sasha around more. And you're right. I mean, there were we haven't seen Sasha really. I mean, we've no. seen Sasha Sasha Banks as great as she is, and I have written that she is the the only person on the roster with the upside of the Rock. So yeah. like, I totally but agree as, with that. as great as Sasha is, she mostly exists in our head. Yeah. Right. And I'm not just talking about like fantasizing. Like she mostly exists as this like ideal idea of what a great wrestler could be, but she hasn't really shown it well, that the best much. matches she's had clearly were in NXT. Yeah. Sure. Um, I can't tell you how many of my girlfriends I've turned onto wrestling by showing them that that Bailey that Sasha Bailey match. match? Yes. Yeah, I've turned women into wrestling fans because of Sasha. You, WWE like, should pay you to be some some social outreach coordinator. I mean, yeah. I don't think I I'm not sure they realize how much they have with her. She really she has the ability to bring like a whole group of new people into the fandom. I hope they don't fuck it up. Well, having Le- or I guess I should call her Amy now. Uh, Amy Lita Odumas, oh, yeah. yeah, and Stephanie. I think both have such a smart eye mm-hmm. uh, for what to do with this women's division mm-hmm. that I do think that it's only a matter of time before we're looking at it being on par with like uh, the men's division at this point. You Great. just have too much talent coming up. You have too much talent. Yeah. There's too much talent. It's an I mean, yeah, and my it's God, Oscar. If she Oscar oh, gets up here, oh my God, I love Nia Jax, like yes. all these people. Yeah, it's funny because it's like there's all this, you know, there's there's been talk about the cruiserweight about well, there's a cruiserweight classic coming up, right? Which I will let Angelina give I her. I almost fi- wore my Zack Saber Junior shirt today. Yeah. There's, <laughs> if there's anything else you want to say about Zack Saber Junior, now is your chance. I will sign. I, I will. I'll sign on for about seventy five percent. Just bring of it. me back after we go to P- PWG next time, and then we'll talk all about that. Okay. Um, but there was talk for a while about a cruiserweight TV show, and and a lot of the diehard fans are, are into it. You know, maybe it's because they just want the cruiserweights to get a chance to shine. I've always thought. Like I like my cruiserweight matches. It's fun when you know it was. It's fun when when two cruiserweights go at it. But like I don't want to like separate them off. Like mm-hmm. I would rather have them be part of the main roster. And I feel the same way about the women. Um, although there, I could like there's a part of me that would love if there was just like a 45 minute women's wrestling show every week, just because they have the talent to pull it off. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, but you don't want there to be a situation where like. Whoever it is that's making that's deciding that women only get five minutes a week on Raw is just like, oh, thank God, I don't have to worry about them anymore. You know, right. you don't want to, you don't want just to totally segregate them from the from the but main roster. By the way, that's a way to feed the storylines into the main roster. Like you throw that shit up on the network. Having been to a Shine show in Chicago where it's all women for two hours straight, it's yeah. it's very thrilling and it's a totally different vibe from either all dudes or mixed and matched. And I I think there would be something incredibly compelling about launching storylines in a, an NXT like women's division show that you then feed into the main I'd roster. I'd buy into it in a heartbeat. Right? Yeah. Right. I they mean, can, I'm available. Gotta, you know, we got to move past the days of glow for sure. But uh, <sighs> yeah, the glow's going to make a comeback. How now. about that? I'm not going to say it. I've read. The, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say I've read that script, but I'm also not going to not say I've read I don't that script. Talk about it. Oh, good. We can talk about this after the show. Uh, I think that I'll be interested to see how it works because, especially in an era of. And, and whatever, the Glow Show when it exists is not going to be for wrestling fans or primarily no. for wrestling fans. But in the in the era of women's wrestling that we're in uh, and with WWE, it seems a little bit odd to me to to find a story of of feminist empowerment in Glow, yeah. of all things. Especially yeah. if you like know the backstory of that. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, they could certainly pull that off. <laughs> Angel, tell my 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 the Angelina writer. I, I mean, Angelina, the television writer, is sighing heavily and not com- and, and demonstrably not commenting on this. Um, 
the uh is there is there anything else uh, the boss is back the wyatts are back and apparently yeah. feuding with the new day okay yes let's talk about this let's talk about this Ah, oh, here we go again. The Bray Wyatt rabbit hole. I, I love him. I love him. So help me. I love him. It is so weird to me that two guys like the villains can pretend that they're from the 1890s and I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. But the supernatural like yeah. cult leader stuff Spook. seems so hokey to me. I think and the technical ex- term you're looking for is spooky shit. Yeah. <laughs> and when Xavier Woods started drifting to the ring last night during Raw, <laughs> like he was being was mesmerized, so I was like, well, that's it. I'm not going to live in a world yeah. where Xavier Woods gets drafted into the Wyatt family because he gets brainwashed by Bray Wyatt. Like, this is like, any Days of Our Lives fans out there, this is like when Marlena got possessed in the oh, mid-90s. One of my, do you, this is one of my favorite it's television my, moments of all time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, like, that was no when... No this knows no, what that is. Informative. But and can we talk about the Chip and Hope's brain? Where uh, she, sorry, we won't go on a Days of Our Lives tangent. Um... Just yeah, okay. By the way, it's no shock to me that three wrestling fans also love, <laughs> love Days, Days of Our Lives because yeah, it's, it's just the same, the same thing shit. without wrestlers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you're not here for it. I don't know. I want to be. I want to be. It's actually the first time I've been here for the whole Bray Wyatt shtick. I I've, just don't think that that's the right. I don't think the Wyatt family and the New Day is the right match. I hear. And when the music hit, that was my response. I was like, this. We're pushing so hard on the irony here, and the and the like you know, bright and flashy and positive versus dark and scary. Like, it's too obvious and it's too obnoxious. And then they came out. I have to say, they came out, and I was expecting to be in their full pink getup, and it was just going to look ridiculous, the contrast. But they came out in this sort of, like, subdued tracksuits. And I was like, okay, wait, this is it. Like, this is good versus evil. This is really straight-ahead, simple storytelling. And for the first time, I'm actually kind of interested what Bray Wyatt's doing. I want you to be right. I really do. I do, too. My my biggest problem with this is, and I I actually... I was sort of getting mad at. I mean, I get I get mad at people when they when they make these really like diehard like serious meta arguments on Twitter or online or whatever. But I think in this case, it's really justified. The problem with the storyline is that Bray Wyatt was about three inches from being a baby face when he got injured and left. Right? Yeah. He, like the fans want to cheer for him, and yeah. will continue. The more we see him, the more we want to cheer for him. And the New Day, who are one of my favorite, or three of my favorite wrestlers uh, on the roster just turned babyface but are actually way better as heels that yeah. we like to cheer for right yeah. i mean the fact like we like it's great if the kids love them now that's wonderful but like, i just think they have i mean maybe maybe this is going to be an opportunity to do a great double turn or something and i hope that it is but as it as it stands like monday i actually like the segment on monday night on a sort of on in a vacuum like mm-hmm. like you were saying but it's like not playing to anybody's strength, right? I mean, like it's we're regressing to day one Wyatt family, and we're and we're doing this version of the New Day, which is not the New Day, not what not what made them popular. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I I think that I'm very excited to see. Uh, I'm very excited to see these these two factions work together in the ring. I like three on three, you know, showdowns or whatever, but. Uh, it just seems know. like the wrong mix of people. I mean, Bray Wyatt out there, you know, run and I'm the inner <laughs> world. And then you hear, ah, oh, I was like, what is happening yeah. right now? Like, I this- do feel though, like, like 
well, Bray and the rest of the New Day guys are, are great improvers, and they they play oh, yeah. off other people incredibly right. well. One... And because they're both so great at it, I don't know. I'm sort of interested to see Here's the way... what sort of chemical shit's going to happen between the two. Here's of what I want to see happen. I want to see this whole storyline where it's like, oh, maybe Xavier Woods is getting like brainwashed yeah. into the Wyatt family, and then at the last minute he like He's kicks like, the ha, shit ha, out ha, of them. He's I like, are kidding. you yeah. stupid? You think yeah. I'm going to fall for that? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Well, you got magic amazing. powers or something? And like calls it out for yeah. what it is. Yeah. And then yeah. maybe we can finally break this Wyatt I, well, family Well, maybe that's thing, what they're like, doing, and then you'd be so happy. Spooky wrestling I, is not for me. I, the one thing, a lot of people compare Bray to The Undertaker, and I think there's a lot to it, but but the one thing that The Undertaker had that Bray Wyatt could really learn from was in the Attitude Era, in the era where The under well, I, I guess that you know Undertaker was a biker for a lot of The yeah, Attitude Era, but yeah. before that... The one, like the Undertaker, even at his spookiest before and after that, the one thing that he could do when the spookiness just didn't compute with the storyline is Undertaker had that great raised eyebrow. Like <laughs> I am, I am mad. It's like it's like when somebody when somebody's entrance music plays in the middle of a promo. The Undertaker had the perfect face of like I'm upset that this is happening, but not totally caught off guard. It's just a cartoon face. Bray Wyatt needs that. So when somebody interrupts his spooky stuff, he can just be like. Like, okay, like I acknowledge that what I'm doing is dumb. Right. So like please yeah. don't come out and do it. But yeah. that's what the Undertaker the Undertaker always looked just a little bit embarrassed, but yeah. also like he was gonna kill you, like believably kill you. And mm. Bray Wyatt doesn't quite have that mode. But you make a great point though. Like for many years the Undertaker was like the badass biker. Right. Yes. So it, we didn't need him to be the trench coat, big hat wearing, you know, raise the lights. But he still did all that stuff. Right. Still was on the bike. Still brought the lights. Did all that. Bray Wyatt. I think at some point they're going to have to figure because, like you said, the man was on the edge of being the face. I yeah. mean, he was so hot, so hot. And if you don't find a way to rework that gimmick, it ain't going to work. I mean, it's just not going to work. Totally agree. And I went to, when I talked to Bray at WrestleMania, he was basically like, like he's he's a company guy and he's going to do whatever he's told to do. But he seemed like he he said explicitly like he has so many ideas and so many like he has you he, know he does. Yeah. That guy's brain is too good to like just be like, oh, let's just keep shoving this down people's throat. Yeah, he knows he gets yeah. it. Um, well, is there anything else we need to touch on? We, that's, I think that covers all of the shocking returns from Monday <laughs> night. Um, I'm sure there's probably like five more that we didn't get to talk about. Um, is there, is there anything, is there anything in, on the road forward to battleground where we have five weeks, which is great news for my writing schedule, but, uh, is there anything that we're, that we're expecting to see over the next five weeks that, that, uh, you're looking forward to? Well, it's funny. We actually, you know, I just went back to this whole women's division thing. I would assume we're going to get two matches at Battleground because we're going to get Becky Lynch, Natalia, and Charlotte, what, Page, maybe? Yeah. So, or maybe a three way Charlotte Page, Sasha. Sasha. I don't know. So it'll be interesting. To, I think it's going to be, I think now is the time where we actually are going to start to see where the women's division is really going because yeah. they're going to, I think, maybe get away from this like team up, tag teamy world. And yeah. Although so, I don't know. I, I, I got a little nervous that that's where they're going with Page and Sasha with the arm raise in the ring last night. I mean, they they felt they felt a little like we're going to be best friends now. Oh God, I hope not. Please, if anyone from WWE Creative is listening, please don't do don't that. Don't do that. <laughs> it's um, okay though. You can raise your you can raise someone's hand when they deserve to be to have their yes. hand raised. The best thing yeah, about but raising. What did she some... deserve? She like ran in and beat the shit out of someone and stole her belt. Like that doesn't feel like a hand raising moment to me unless you're trying to build towards something. The best thing about the hand raise is thievery. Yes, it always sets you up for the slap in the back of the head after the hand raise. Yeah, that too. So. You'd think that they would come with a new way to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's sort of like up. how like the handshake, like in like the sort of uh, 
like MMA fighter world or whatever, be, when like the handshake becomes like the full forearm grab, eyes staring deeply into somebody's soul, yeah. like where there's no way that anybody can sucker punch you in the middle of that handshake. Yeah, they need like an arm raised version of that. When it's not, I, I don't want to plug my own Twitter, but I'm going to plug my own Twitter <laughs> uh, and say that I tweeted out uh, while I was watching the ladder match that. Hey, what's your handle? Uh, at Steve Kazee. Uh, I tweeted out that it seems like in every ladder match I've ever watched, everyone immediately loses the ability to climb a ladder. Thank you. Thank and you. to unhook a suitcase. <laughs> like, it's like, well, okay, you would, <laughs> unhooking a suitcase from a clamp like that is a little bit of a rarer skill. Although you sure. would think that they would train for but that. You're up there, and it's like you can't quite get. Your, it's like your thumbs don't work, and you can't get a hold of the briefcase, and it's swinging back and forth, and they're just sort of like swatting at it. I, but the slow climb up the ladder, man, and like kills, they've and never I, found a way I to make it. I thought it was any just because I don't have context and I don't have like a childhood of fandom to help me get beyond it but Every like match. these motherfuckers climb up on the top rope like yeah. it's nothing mm-hmm. and fly through the air with the greatest of ease mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to believe you you're really like dizzy and scared and unbalanced <laughs> on the top of that ladder like <sighs> you, they've, they've got to find a way to sell that so better I yeah, never, they're never going I to well, the problem I'm, is that that's I mean that that's that's what I mean that's that's the great the best and the worst of wrestling all at the same time, yeah, right? Because yeah, it, you, totally. that that built-in drama only works when you slow it down and show somebody yeah. reaching it. But then the failure of it is not just that people look stupid, but you have things like like who won? Was it was it when Sheamus? I specifically remember Randy Orton winning for some reason. I don't know if I just rewatched that, but like, so I would say seventy-five percent of the time, and this even happened with Ambrose when they finally do climb up to unhook it, they're doing it they do it so slowly that you're just expecting someone to come hit them. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it actually makes every ladder match victory a little bit diminished from what yeah. it could be. Yeah. Because if it were just a matter of like hitting a buzzer or like, gra- you know, whatever, yeah. or getting a pin. Um, Ziggler's good at getting up the ladder. He gets up there really quick, but then he always finds something at the top to like well, keep he's him really from... short. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> he's good. No. It's like uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and it was the same. I mean, a similar thing when Ambrose cashed in. It's just like everybody's like yeah. like the referee and the ring and the bell, the ring attendant, whatever. Like everybody's muscles seize up, and you can't. Oh, I love Lillian's face. She was like looking at like, what? is are we doing is this? this happening? Yeah. What, what would be the ring okay. the bell? What would be? Yeah, would Lillian get fired if she just announced it prematurely? Like you think that like doing it doing it on time would be more important than getting it a hundred percent right? But anyway, uh, Dean Ambrose is. Um, is the champion that we need right now also the champion that we want right now it is like like i said he's getting he's getting cheered and angelina i'm sorry you're gonna have to come around when being i don't i don't dislike i don't dislike i'm like he just doesn't you know twirl my this isn't a long reign my pigtails right there's there's, there's, no i mean what i what i wrote about i wrote about in my column this week and everybody go check out uh what i wrote on the ringer but check out all the other stuff there too there's a lot of really great stuff on the ringer.com uh but yeah, what I wrote about is that, I mean, part of what they need right now with the brand split is that, you know, there have been rumors they're calling Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy and Rey Mysterio just because they need more people, you know, like established people on each show. Oof. But, um, but what, I mean, what they need more than that is uh, enough established headliners, mm. like with the pedigree, no pun intended, of cha- of, ha- of being a former champion. Right. And, and whether or not the Dean Ambrose era lasts for, you know, three years or three days uh at least now that you know they they've put him in the position of being a guy who can hold down the main event on smackdown or mm-hmm. on raw or like whatever when the when the when the 
um, roster is split in half. I mean, I can understand why you'd want Jeff Hardy. I, uh, seeing that TNA promo that he and Matt did was it's just unbelievable. Uh, I think that I think that so he, those two have so much <laughs> unfinished business with their talk about spooky with their like weird what the postmodern heck? spooky. I don't even know what's going on. So weird. I can't. I, I I try. I try and try. I watch TNA every week. And it's every week becoming more of a um, on in the background while I do other things. And then I'll kind of look up and go like, oh, that guy will be in the WWE in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> but there's it's just not great. It's really not great. No. No, it's not. It's kind of sad. Because um, we need it. We need it to be great. Right? It keeps the other product better. It keeps TNA. WWE. Well, now W. I mean, hopefully the brand split is going to accomplish that for them. Now it'll obviously it'll be a, it's a huge question mark as to how much it's really going to be split. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that the best time, the best moments in all of WWE history. They have good competition, and uh, you know when all when all else fails, they've managed to figure out ways to be their own competition a couple of times. And maybe you know, I mean NXT has been that sort of in the background for a while. But if they if they really start going putting Raw and SmackDown against each other. Separate shows, separate pay-per-views, which is going to be a lot to watch. But uh, you know, it, it it could it could it could work to the benefit of the. Oh, of, so you think the they'll do separate pay-per-views? They're talking about doing two pay-per-views a month. Oh, that's crazy! Why wouldn't you just alternate? Because why? Because you can get more people watching the network. Maybe that's a great point. But I also always sort of like the idea that you don't see these guys wrestle, and then you have crossover pay-per-view where right. it's like you know yeah. i agree finally like bring the two storylines together or whatever yeah well yeah. we'll um, we shall see we very soon there's out. so much yeah well let's see that dean ambrose is our champion <laughs> the brands are about to split anything could happen the world the world <laughs> is wide open the, yeah it's this is an amazing thing uh thank you both for coming by do you guys want to plug your me. twitter accounts or your jobs or anything like that i already did mine i'm good watch halton catch fire Oh. First two seasons are on Netflix right now. Season three is going to premiere in August. I can vouch for this. It's a super it's good show. It's an incredible show. show. Please watch it so I can keep working because it's my show. favorite job ever. Um, well, you can probably keep working one way or the other. On that particular if show. If not, we can maybe be able to hook you up with one of these WWE <laughs> creative jobs. Hey, I just, uh, I just applied for a WWE writer job. Really? Yeah. I saw this that. Is... I thought about it just for shits and giggles, but then I didn't. Yeah. I Bill told me that. I thought he was kidding. Oh, no. No, it was all Oh, my God. That's amazing. All right. Well, uh, join us back here next week where uh, both of these two people will be living in Stanford, Connecticut, and I'll be here at this table all by myself. Um, I'll be lonely, but I'll have Dean Ambrose. Have a great week, humanoids. (laughs) 